0: Hello, oh, Mississippi and beyond. This is Parrish Alford with the Daily Journal. I'm joined by Michael Katz and Stefan Kreishnik, our Ole Miss and Mississippi State beat Riders Camp is here. We're getting started. We're going to talk about projected depth charts, the two deep. Everybody wants to know who's going to be on the field, who's going to start, all of those things. Uh, a lot of these uh, starters are guys who were in these roles last year. We're going to talk about that, uh, returning starters Uh, Won't necessarily equate to uh, starters when the season openers get here. Hey, folks, before we get too deep in the woods, we want to mention our partners, the Oxford Park Commission. We appreciate OPC for coming along for the ride. Lots of good programs there for youth and adults alike. And uh, Michael Katz is uh, moving into his new digs in a day or two, and he'll be in position to take advantage of uh, the OPC uh, opportunities there, and and Stefan, I, I know you'll be uh, staying in shape uh, as well. How's it going, guys? I was
1: telling you earlier, man. I'm I'm excited to just uh, to get out of a hotel and and do laundry. I think that's the biggest thing. I've, I'm starting to run out of clothes.
0: Well, and and Stefan, you moved in uh, yesterday. So did you spend the night at your new place? Is that where you are this morning?
2: Yeah, yeah. Right now I've just got a mattress on the ground. The the bed frame hasn't come in yet until this weekend. So I'm taking advantage of that. But uh I'm somewhat all the way moved in. Uh no Wi-Fi yet. So I'm joining from my phone. But uh but uh, yeah, I, I will say it's a lot nicer to just be out of the hotel and kind of get settled in.
0: I'll tell you what, man, you just uh w- when you don't have Wi-Fi, you, you really realize uh what what you're missing there. Hey, let's talk about these depth charts a little bit. Stefan, let's start with you. Uh, Everybody, of course, has been focused on this quarterback competition. Uh, Will Rogers and Southern Miss transfer uh, Jack Abraham. Uh, There are some others uh, down the line, but really it's going to be about these two. And uh, you have mentioned before that uh, Will Rogers is your projected starter here. Uh, Tell me why.
2: Yeah, I just think, you know, with what he showed last year, he showed obviously a lot of signs of promise in in the first place for someone that, that was a true freshman. Um, you know, it, it, the, the statistics are kind of inconsistent and that's how his season kind of was. But for someone that was a true freshman, you kind of you're OK with that, especially a, under a new offense like that and, and a difficult offense to learn, especially coming in like that. Um, I think with, with the full pretty normal off season under his belt, I think he'll have a pretty good understanding, um, you know, of, of the way the offense is going to go. Uh, I think, Parrish, you, you said a lot in the past. Um, with someone that has the experience that Jack does, he's not, you know, he didn't come here to transfer to not play. I mean, he's got a real shot at getting the starting job. And, and I think at some point of the season, I wouldn't be too surprised if he did. Um, but, but with this depth chart kind of projecting going into week one, I, I just, I find it hard to believe that, that, you know, you, you'd want someone who didn't have that, that full off season and a full, or Maybe not a full season, but at least half a season last year under his belt. Um, to step in week one and have that. I I think that's why it's Will's job to lose at this point. Um, But come week two, three, or four, I wouldn't be surprised if Will is struggling for at least to be pretty quick to uh, to make the change.
0: Yeah, I think he'll have the ability to make that change. He's got an experienced guy there in the wings. He won't play two quarterbacks. He told us that uh, at media days in Hoover. So uh, whoever uh, gets the job, uh, whoever wins the job, it's their job to lose. Uh, No real uh, threat to Matt Corral in Oxford there. Uh, Michael, uh, I thought it was interesting. I had someone uh, tell me earlier this week about uh, the Ladies Football Forum and how Jeff Lebby, the offensive coordinator for Ole Miss, came out and spoke, which, uh, to me, that was the biggest news, that uh, an assistant coach came out and spoke, because that's not uh, Lane Kiffin policy. But uh, Jeff Lebby told the ladies that – Kincaid Dent is going to be the number two, and uh, that's interesting uh, because Lane Kiffin gets a lot of high-profile recruits, um, and uh, that's just not that's not the background on Kincaid Dent. He didn't have a lot of recruiting stars. Of course, he's you know he's an inherited player. He was in the program already, but he's a guy that you look at, and you know I, I see a skill set. I saw him play in high school, a guy that you knew needed to get on campus and, and get in the weight room. But, uh, anyway, he's done that and he's progressed. I know that, uh, Jeff Levy likes him, Lane Kiffin likes him. He's going to be the number two, uh, if something were to happen to Matt Corral, but, uh, what, what are your impressions, Michael, uh, the best thing uh, for Ole Miss is nothing to happen to Matt Corral, but, uh, w- what do you know about Matt? Have you seen some highlights? I know both of you guys are new and learning your personnel, uh, you know what? What are your impressions of Matt? Uh, just from what you've uh, read and, and maybe uh, seen in some clips?
1: Yeah, so it, it always seems like I I have some sort of background with a random Ole Miss thing because uh, obviously me and Lane Kiffin go back. I mean, Matt Corral, I remember him in high school um, because he's a Southern California kid and he was a USC commit. That was uh, that was his first. That was his first commitment. Uh, so I, as a USC grad was really excited for him to come to SC because I remember watching him toss the ball around and, uh, then some stuff happened and he obviously ended up, uh, uh at, uh, at Ole Miss. Um, but in, in just sort of looking at what Matt does, and Lane has said this, he has a unique deep ball arm, I think is 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 the way he described it. And, um, you know, does he have to work on the turnovers? Of course, you know, it, it bit him a few times, or two games specifically where it really kind of came to a head, but um, he can do things a lot of other quarterbacks can't do. And uh, I think Lane, Lane has always loved guys who – have, you know, like you said, he loves guys who were big recruits. And there's a reason Matt Corral is a big recruit. He's got a golden arm. And I think, again, he has to clean it up, but he can do a lot of things, you know, other than maybe a quarterback at Alabama or JT Daniels. I don't think there's a lot of quarterbacks in the SEC that can do what Matt Corral do. And uh, I think, you know, we've talked about this too. You're only as good as your quarterback, uh, especially, uh, you know, in this stage of college football. And I think Ole Miss is really banking on Matt, not only improving, but also, you know, staying healthy because as, as good as, you know, I think Kincaid, like you said, is I think he's going to be the number two. I think he fits what they do better than, uh, you know, what John Rice Plumley would do. And I think they want to use him in other ways and, and get him the ball. Um, But there is... You know, there's not a lot of places that could recover from losing a star quarterback, but uh, I think Matt Corral going down for any extended period of time would be would be pretty catastrophic, even in the grand scheme of of quarterbacks going out. I, he's he's a special talent. There's there's a reason that the NFL draft guys are are already putting him in their top ten, top fifteen.
2: Yeah, I think, uh, Michael, I might have you beat a little bit on, on how recently I've seen Matt Corral because I got to watch him in the Outback Bowl last year when I was covering Indiana. Um, and, and it is kind of impressive because Indiana had a, a pretty good defense last year. It was among the best in the nation. And and I think a, a lot of people that watch that game, having seen Ole Miss and the numbers they put up throughout the season, would say that Indiana kind of had them contained. But when you put up that, that kind of numbers against a pretty good defense, still kind of impressive when you know you don't need to look at the rest of the stats and, and who they were facing throughout the year. And, um, and, and like you mentioned, I mean, there was just points where I, I remember watching that game and saying, you know what, like that's a throw or that's a play that very few quarterbacks in the nation could make. And I think him again, that uh, whole year under his belt coming in again, that, again, this year, I mean, to say he's a top five, top three quarterback in, in the nation going into the season, it might even be an understatement. He might be the best. It's, it's pretty impressive. Um, some of the stuff that he shows.
0: Michael, you mentioned the importance of quarterback play, and uh, it just can't be overstated. I mean, uh, you can have playmakers, you can have guys uh, running back, receiver, offensive line, but you have to be elite at that position, not just very good. You have to be elite to compete in the upper tier of the conference. If you're just very good uh, and don't make too many mistakes, but also don't make many plays – Uh, you'll win some games and you might get to a a middling bowl game or something like that. But if you're going to compete in the upper tier of the conference, and I think uh, those are the expectations for this Ole Miss team. I know uh, uh, some people, uh, you know, they seem to land third or fourth in the Western Division in most of those media ballots. But uh, I think if you ask most Ole Miss fans, a lot of them expect uh, some big things with this team, and and to get there, you have to be elite. You can't just be very good at quarterback, and I think Ole Miss has a chance with Matt Corral to be elite at the position. Stefan, tell me about running backs at Mississippi State, how you got to the two that you put on your projected depth chart. Running game was not a strength uh, for them last year. Rarely is it a big deal with Mike Leach. The running game is considered the short pass and extended handoff. But uh, they had, uh, you know, a guy like Kylan Hill at that position just last year, and it went off the rails, and he left the team and all of that. But, uh, you know, who are these running backs? Uh, It it just uh, surprises me that, like, I haven't heard of these guys.
2: Right, yeah. I think this was maybe one of the tougher places to kind of pick a number one and number two. I probably should have put or in between the two of them because I think they can just interchange however Mike Leach decides to – to use Jaquavis, Marks and uh, Dylan Johnson, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see again how how he incorporates these running backs into into his offense. I know that they might be new names and they're young names, but they both uh, made it to watch lists, and I don't. There's a million watch lists out there. I don't even remember what the running back one was called, um, but the, but they both made it to some of those preseason watch lists, which shows that you know I think I think they have the potential, and, and like you mentioned, even if it's not necessarily in the run game, to kind of make a difference in that short passing game. I think that's where you're going to see a lot of them or both of them, I should say, uh, make a lot of plays. And it's going to be interesting to see how it pans out. I think, as I mentioned before, I think in the last podcast I joined you, there, there's a spot for running backs in the Mike Leach offense. It's not to say that, that that they don't exist. I mean, if they didn't exist, he would just go ahead and toss out five wide receivers then and just have no running backs if he, if he really wanted to. So I think I think there's a role for them, and I think uh, Mississippi State's pretty high on how the two of these guys can kind of uh, play together interchange um, you have the benefit of not really having either of them uh, be tired because you can take turns each snap. You can, you can swap them out. Um, so it gives you the opportunity of having f- fresh legs out there. Um, for that short passing attack, like you said, the extended handoff. So I think there's a role for these two. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Mike Leach decides to use them.
0: Uh, do you think it takes a special type of mentality, uh, a special mindset or personality Personality. Uh, to play running back in this offense. I mean, I I think you got to go in here knowing, hey, I'm not going to get a lot of carries. I'm going to be asked to block a lot. I'm going to be asked to be the decoy. I think personality is probably something you got to have. Do you know much about that with these guys?
2: Yeah, I won't say I know much about that just because I haven't had the chance to speak with them yet. But but I have a feeling, you know, that's got to be something Mike Leach, when when he's talking to some of these running backs or maybe some of the assistant coaches when you're talking to them, it's kind of put, putting their ego, I guess, in check, making sure that ego isn't there and that you understand that that if you are patient and you, and you wait your turn, there's going to be a chance for you to break out. Um, and, and if you don't have if you have that personality that kind of embraces that you're going to make that play when your time comes. If you're too busy worrying about the fact that you haven't gotten a handoff in a few snaps and then that play comes, you're not going to take advantage of it. So you'll be too busy focusing on on the two or three plays before that. So definitely that, that's got to be something that, that goes out the window. Uh, when you're coming in an offense like this, you got to understand that your role might be different, but it's still an important one. You need to be prepared.
0: Michael, tell me about the Ole Miss offensive line. Uh, I look at this and I see real potential here. This was a big unknown last year in 2020. And and honestly, it was a group that I thought played above its station a little bit, overachieved maybe from what I expected uh, of the group. And, and that was a, a credit to uh, – offensive line coach Randy Clements, who is gone, <laughs> you know, who was kind of uh, the interesting talk of the offseason because after spring drills, there's this change on Lane Kiffin's staff and Randy Clements is gone. And uh, gosh, I'm forgetting Thornton's first name, new guy, young guy, uh, has has come in, new offensive line coach. They're losing one starter up there, bringing a lot of guys back. Um what do you see in this group? I look at them and I think, look, there's talent, there's experience. You got Nick Broker at left tackle. You got Ben Brown with all his starts in the middle. Those are important pieces, but does this change? Does does coaching matter at this point with this group, do you think?
1: I think it does, but I also sort of, you know, go back to, you know, covering the University of Wyoming. uh, They had three offensive line coaches in, I think it was like four years, five years, um, and that's because guys just kept moving up to, to bigger jobs and whatnot. And I asked them about that. You know, if you're a senior, you've had four different, you know, three, four different offensive line coaches. Does that matter? And it does because every coach kind of has their own style, the way they do things. Some are technicians, some are raw, raw, you know, in your face, all about emotion. But I think, you know, for, for them, it was, if you're experienced, you're experienced. And if you've played, you've played and you can't simulate game reps. And I kind of look at that the same way here where, you know, you've got four guys who, who played last year, you've got, you know, a guy in the middle who is the veteran leader. I, I think You know, obviously you still have to go out there and prove it and there's always a chance that it completely implodes for whatever reason. But I think when I don't think there's any substitute for experience and, you know, of course, coaching matters and you can go from good to great or great to legendary or you can go from good to worse. You know, obviously that those are things that can happen, but. I think that when you've got a group that's as experienced and that played as well as they did for the most part last year, it's hard to see them going backward. Um, You know, I don't imagine Lane would, would make a bad hire. I think he understands the importance of, of, of line play, especially in the sec. He knows he has to, He's got to make good hires. You cannot have bad line play in the SEC or else you are going to get eaten alive. And so uh, I, I, it, it's hard for me to see them not at least being as good, if not better um, coaching, of course matters, but I think the biggest thing is, is, experience and they have that. And that's not something a lot of, uh, of teams can say, you know, you look at teams like uh, Alabama who are churning linemen in and out all the time. Cause they're all first round picks, but you know, they they barely ever have three or four guys returning and yeah, they make it work because of course, you know, they got five-star kids coming out everywhere. But, um, you know, having experience on the line is, is not super common these days. And I think it's, it's really going to be an advantage for, for Ole Miss this year.
0: Yeah. Uh, look, it's, it's a worthwhile question, uh, to take a look at the offensive line right now as you change coaches. But, uh, yeah, it's almost like, uh, you know, what it's almost nitpicking. What can we find to think might be a problem for this offense because they, they return so much? Uh, and, and I know that they're losing Elijah Moore at, uh, at slot, <coughs> slot receiver. I just think uh, that playmakers are going to emerge. And, uh, and you mentioned this uh, when we were on a podcast previously that Lane Kiffin will scheme to get those receivers open. And he will. We saw that last year, and that's going to, uh, you know, help those playmakers merge. Do want to back up a little bit as we talk about depth charts on the offensive line? I noticed you had Jeremy James uh, at one of the guards, and uh, I'm going to try and help you guys along because I know you didn't see these teams last year. Jeremy James, they moved him to tackle at uh, at the end of, or they moved him to tackle in spring. So I would think uh, he's got a good shot to start in place of Royce Newman at right tackle. So, uh, hey, folks, uh, we need your help on these depth charts, man. We're, we're, go- we're going to, uh, you know, see what it looks like at uh, at the end of camp as well. But uh, moving ahead, Michael, tell me about receivers and how you arrived at your starters and your backups uh, on the two deep. Well,
1: Parrish, first of all, I was going to say that's why they pay you the big bucks. Everyone needs a spotter, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's right, the big bucks.
1: Um. Yeah, so, you know, sort of looking at, at the receivers, uh, again, yeah, it, it is hard to replace a guy like Elijah Moore. But if there's anybody who knows how to get the most out of his talent, it's Lane Kiffin offensively. Um, and just sort of looking at, you know, Dontario and, and Braylon and Mingo, I mean, those are – If you know, obviously, yes, there was a big drop-off from Elijah's numbers to even Kenny Yaboa and then everybody else. But it was pretty easy to kind of pick out a, a trio of, of guys who were experienced slash put up numbers. I think Dontario caught seven touchdowns or whatever it was last year. I mean, you know, he's obviously a playmaker. Uh, and, and I think they kind of feel that way with all those guys. Uh, again, it, it's hard to replace a, a Bolitnikoff finalist, but there's a lot of talent there. And, uh, you know, it's funny going around town. Uh, everybody wants to know about John Rice Plumlee. That's like, it's, it's funny. I, I, I can meet random people on the street and everybody is like, when yeah, I tell them that up. Huh? <laughs> yeah. When I tell them that I think he's going to be a receiver, they're just so excited because they, everybody wants to see him with the ball in his hands. Uh, Cause they remember what he did in 2019. And um I, I You know, do I think he's going to like, sir, is he going to be like a, a bullet in the cop finalist this year? Probably not. But I, I think he's going to be a guy who, who makes an impact. And I think they're going to use him on sweeps and they'll put him in the backfield. And I just think he's a guy that is so electric with the ball in his hands that they have to find a way to get him out there. And I, I think putting him in that slot receiver role uh, you know, Lane does like to use a lot of guys at receiver, and so I, I think there is going to be an opportunity for him uh, to make some plays. And, and if you look at that group, you know, it's not like uh, they're they're throwing a bunch of two stars and and zero star recruits out there. I mean, these are guys who they can play, and they they were recruited. and And I think uh, if if anybody is going to get the most out of them, it's it's Lane and and the kid with the golden arm. I, I, th- I think it's, it's I think they are going to be a, a nice surprise for fans.
0: I'll say this about John Rice Plumlee. Um, there were some opportunities for John Rice last year. They're, they were earlier in the season. And had he uh, produced more in those opportunities, he would have had more opportunities as last season went along. Maybe that's not being in a rhythm. Maybe it's just new coach, new system. But he, he wasn't quite the playmaking machine in far fewer opportunities uh, last year as he was in 2019. I think that talent is there. I like this move. I think uh, this moving him around and, and getting him the ball, I think we're going to see much more uh, the 2019 version of John Rice Plumley. OK, uh, real quick, uh, Michael, give me two names on defense that are going to make this defense a lot better? Tell me who those guys are.
1: Well, I would say my first one is uh, Jake Springer, uh, the safety, the Navy transfer. I, I think that from all accounts, he's looked, he looked great in the spring, and I think just having a guy like that who's played a lot of football and played at a high level is going to help. I mean, obviously the defense had a lot of issues last year, but, uh, you know, and I know that they have a lot of guys – in the secondary returning it, you know, you look at the, you know, the 10 starters, but like you said earlier, you know, just cause you were a starter last year doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get your job back. You know, there's a reason that your defense gave up like 40 points a game. And so I, I think Jake is is going to be one of those guys who steps in and um, really does make an impact. Um, for me, the other one is, is, is honestly Jalen Jones coming back. I mean, that guy has, has been through it, it seemingly every year. I think he's a, is he a, is he a six year guy? He's at least a fifth year guy.
0: Hey, Sixth year guy.
1: Yeah. He's going to be a six year guy. There aren't a lot of those uh, around college football. And, you know, I, 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 I always take it with a grain of salt when somebody, when a coaching staff brings a certain guy to media days, because sometimes it's because they're the best talker, but, you don't usually bring a, a nobody. You usually have to bring somebody who's going to make an impact. And just in talking to him at media days and sort of looking through what he's done when he's not injured. um, I I think there's a reason that Lane brought him. I think they're expecting big things from him and, you know, he is back at corner and uh, I I think he being healthy, uh, it has been a problem, but I, I think him being healthy is, is really going to make a difference. He, he just, you know, in the brief interactions, he just, he seems like he's got his head in the right place. He's a leader. Um, And I think that on a defense that was struggling last year, I think they need more guys like that. And so I I think he's going to, if he's healthy, I think he's going to play a really, really big role.
0: All right. So you're naming two DBs there, folks. So uh, translation here, Michael says, lockdown pass defense for the Rebels. Nobody's going to throw on these Rebels. Yeah, he's got uh, his two guys are both, DBs, Stefan, give me your two names, man. When the game's over and uh, people are leaving the stadium and they're saying, "Wow, who are they talking about?"
2: Well, you, you'd probably expect Emmanuel Forbes and Martin Emerson to have a good case at that, and, and Mississippi State's DBs as well. But but to avoid uh, just going on the, the entire DB rant here with Michael, uh, I'll, I'll talk about two guys that I think maybe could could make an impact this year that that some people may not expect. In, in my depth chart, and then when I did the a positional battle breakdown earlier this week. I talked a lot about uh, Scott Lashley and his chance to be the starting right tackle. I think between him and Cameron Jones, that'll be an interesting competition to watch um, here, here in camp as the season approaches. But I think coming over from Alabama where he he was a backup at Alabama, but I think um, if you're a backup offensive lineman at Alabama, that's not the worst thing in the world. Um, Scott Lashley, I think he has a chance to, to become a, the, the starting right tackle. I have him listed as a starting right tackle. Um, and I think that, um, you know, if, if he can step up and kind of show some of what he learned at Alabama bring it over, um, it's kind of his position to have over Cameron Jones, though I think Cameron Jones will, will make it a competition. On a defensive side, I think Jordan Davis, I think uh, stepping in on the defensive line, I think Mississippi State's secondary will be all right uh, to a point where if, if they can get some pressure on the quarterback and they'll have a little time to get pressure on the quarterback, that's something they need to take advantage of. And I think Leach at media days, he talked about a little bit just – um, you know, the ability you have to put pressure on a quarterback when your quarterbacks are, are holding it down like that. So I think that, that Jordan Davis uh, coming in as a senior has a real role to step up, and, and I think he could do it. I think fans will, will notice it.
0: Folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant SEC talk, the relevant Ole Miss and Mississippi State talk. We thank you for being with us. Uh, check us out next week. Uh, we'll be back.